All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Wednesday, November 1st of 2023. Here we have a big 13 game MLB slate tonight. We do have game four of the World Series as well tonight. And then we also have a four game hockey slate. Uh, it is Wednesday, so PGA does tee off tomorrow. And then obviously Thursday night football is back tomorrow as well. So a ton of DFS action coming at you guys over the next two days here. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew, one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You get your questions in one of three ways here. First off, send us an email, support at SaberSim.com. Second off, post it live in the YouTube chat. Third way, post it in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord, want to get access to that channel, there's a link in the description of this video you get access to our similar channels you get access to our individual sport channels you get access to our uh, release notes channels where we post updates about bugs etc here so a bunch of good reasons to be in the discord but uh with that said you know want to get the app pulled up here and it looks like oh actually before we get started as always want to remind you guys if you are not signed up for our weekly max challenge, get signed up. A great time to uh, get signed up ahead of Thursday night football here. But if you guys didn't know, we're also running it for owner's box as well this season. So if you, uh, in the description of this video, I've made sure to link both pages here. So we just actually opened up this one. So we have our DraftKings max challenge, and then we have our owner's box max challenge as well. So get in on their mini max on Sundays here and get in on both of those giveaways here. So want to mention that and uh, let's get the app pulled up here and let's start with questions that came in, in the discord first. Appreciate you guys tuning in to the uh, little bit delayed show here, but looks like our first question came in from K polo question says when doing your contest sims under FanDuel, since there is no payout structure box to drop down, how do we know correct percent of first and percent entries paid? Okay, so for FanDuel guys, you guys are going to have to calculate this yourself. So the reason for that is because FanDuel does not provide the contest CSVs for their contest. So we are not able to take in that information and calculate it for you. So we have some default values there as like a... Uh, marker as like a setting to to start there but you're going to have to calculate it yourself so the way you do that is you go into the standings you look at what is the percent to first say it's a hundred thousand and then you go and look at what is the total prize pool and the prize pool may be four hundred thousand so then you know the percent of first is 25 percent right and then you go and look at the last position in the in the standings that gets paid so you know maybe there's ten thousand people and the last position that gets paid is 2,000th place. You do 2,000 divided by 10,000. You figure out that, hey, the top 20% of lineups in the contest get paid. So might have to bust out the calculator, do a little math to get those values correct on FanDuel specifically. But really good question there. And next question here from Bill's Nut. Question says... I rewatched Jordan's How to Beat NBA DFS in 2023 video, and I'm confused about part of his process. The first time he late swapped, he used the late swap feature to fill his lineups. The second time he late swapped, he built his he rebuilt his lineups new from the swap one build. What should I be using each process when late swapping, and what are the advantages of each? Okay, so this is a great opportunity to call this video out. This video just came out yesterday. 
It is our How to Beat NBA in DFS in 2023 guide. So you're going to see this one here, 38-minute uh, video. You know, Jordan went very deep in this video. I would highly recommend checking it out. But the question is directly in regards to this video, right? So Jordan actually jumped in here. I'm going to read you his, his response. I'm going to give you my own. So Jordan said, uh, you need to click the swap button the first time just to create the swap build, which will open up a new workspace called Swap One. For all ensuing builds, you already have the swap build set up. So you can just rebuild lineups from that build. It's really just a time saver creating a new swap build every time you late swap isn't wrong per se. It's just more time consuming than needed. Okay, so I I definitely agree with what Jordan is saying here. So basically what it comes down to is that if you use the horizontal arrow button at the top, we are going to create a new swap workspace every single time you late swap. If you right-click here, what we're going to do is we're going to clone the current workspace here. So double arrows, fresh workspace, right-clicking on the build that you're on will be able to carry over, you know, your player pool adjustments, your filters, your minimax exposures that you have set, etc. right? So once that swap build is created, you can use that swap build the entire night as long as you refresh projections every time you go to use it. So let's say that, you know, I'm on the West Coast here, so 4 p.m. lock for me. So let's say these 4 p.m. games lock. Now it's like 4.15 uh, right before the 4.30 window here. So I go and I do a late swap. Well, I'm probably just going to right click if I have any min or max exposures or projection adjustments or anything that I want to carry over with me. So when I do that, I get my swap one build, which is just going to be a new build here. And then I'm going to run my build. I'm going to set, you know, all my settings, whatever that is. And then from this build, I'm going to download those lineups, upload them to DraftKings before the next swap window. After that swap window. So we have 430 and then we have five o'clock here. So for five o'clock, well, before five o'clock, I'm going to come back into SaberSim and then I do not need to open up a new swap window. What I can do is come in here and just refresh the projections that will let SaberSim know, hey, more players have locked. I need to gray them out and then you can continue to swap from this one window. It's a great time saver because if you have all these different windows uh, of, of slates starting, then you're going to have, you know, 10... Uh, build workspaces by the end of the night and it can it can get like a little tedious you know having all these workspaces open so you only need one swap workspace to work from the big key is that before you do anything for the next lock make sure to come in here and refresh your projections and then what i would also do is check the projection timestamp here and just make sure that it says like hey it has been updated since after the last start time and then if it's after the last start time, you can also double check the players like, hey, I'm going to come in here and check Toronto or I'm going to filter by them. Are they grayed out? Okay, I'm good. And then I can go on with the next swap. So that's what I consider best practice here. And I would suggest that for anybody looking to uh, still hone in their late swap process. All right. Really good question there. Uh, I did answer and into Binkett's question specifically here. Uh, going to go down to Skyhook. And Skyhook said, Skyhook said, just waiting for this to load up, said, believe there was a confirmation in previous update, but wanted to solidify that updating projections post-lock would not affect the contest sims still using SS Live. I noticed on FanDuel build last night when I updated projections 
after lock for the night games, the guys who were in the 7 p.m. game had their projections go back to what it was pre-lock versus the SS live number. Okay, so, so the way this works. So let's say that you have a contest sim, right? I'm just going to go create one for tonight. So you're going to see that these use live sims, if available, and the use live field lineups, if available, are toggled on by default, okay? So when I hover here, you're going to see a pop-up said, if enabled, this contest sim will utilize our live game sims if they are available. If off or if live sims are not available, it will default to using the most recent pre-lock simulation we have. And then for field lineups, it says, if enabled, we'll check to see if there is a live version of the field lineups you've selected and use those instead of the pre-lock field lineups. So let's assume here that you are making projection adjustments. You know, you're, you're going through the games and, you know, I'm bumping this guy up. I'm bumping this guy down. I'm, I'm moving this guy up, down, uh, whatever it may be. Right. So when you do that, and let's say you're doing that, you know, for some of these early games, right. Did I, so all the ones I did were not for the early games, but let's go in and mess with some of these guys. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to boost Kate Cunningham. And then, you know, I'm going to start boosting, uh, Jeremy Grant and then maybe move Aiton down. Right. So not only do I have adjustments for the guys at uh, in the later games, I also have some adjustments for the guys earlier. Right. So basically what happens is that information is used when constructing your lineups originally. Okay. And then once the games start here, we are going to take the live data for the games that are currently in progress and then start to update their projections based on how the players have done to that point in the game, based on, you know, uh, our projections for the rest of the game, based on the score, based on, you know, the pace, all those type of things get taken into account in, in the live sims. Okay. So what's going to happen is that once the game blocks, we are going to start using the live sim information if that toggle is on in your contest sim for all of the other games up to that point that have not started that you have adjustments for, we are going to maintain those projection adjustments. So all these guys up here at the top, whose games don't start at lock, they are going to stay with your custom projection. All the players whose games have started for Detroit, we are going to start using the live data instead of the old data here. And then, you know, the live data takes into account how they've done to that point in the game. Are they having a good game? Are they having a bad game? How many minutes are they playing? Right. Is it, uh, less minutes than expected? Is it more minutes than expected? And then all of that gets factored into the live sim. So we will not switch to live data until the slate starts or until those games start on the slate. Okay. So that is how it works. All right. Question here from BKP dad. And it looks like the question, it looks like somebody got back to him here. It looks like Will got back to him here. Said, uh, so BKP said, okay, so I am watching the ROI versus risk adjusted ROI video. And Will says he ran the showdown yesterday in baseball. His ROI came out with a 5 1 Arizona stack, and his risk adjusted ROI came out as a Texas 5 1 stack. My question is when I run my Sims in all sports and swap between the two, why is the first lineup stays the same for both and others adjust, but his top two lineups adjusted when swapping the two? So Will got back to him saying he was running a contest Sim for the 3-3-3 for DraftKings. So it really just depends on the contest that you're playing, like the size of the contest, the, the stakes of the contest, the payout structure of the contest can lead to different results. So, you know, ROI and risk-adjusted ROI are correlated, but, you know, you will not get the same result each, every, each and every time you sort. So you can definitely get different results 
depending on what type of contest sim that you are optimizing for. So it looks like that's ex basically exactly what Will said here. But good questions, guys. Going to jump over to the YouTube chat here. First question from Carrington. Say, hey, Andrew, back again. When you are late swapping every game now with how fast this is going and with the live sims, are you worried at all with adding players who you recently faded? Uh, so, so this is basically like a really good reason to clone your build. So this is why when I'm late swapping, I prefer to use the right-click option because if pre-lock... I had set any max exposures. If I had lowered any player's projection because I didn't think they were as good of a play, that gets carry over and I don't have to redo that work. So for exactly for the reasons you're saying, I think that using the right click option is better than using a new swap option unless you weren't opinionated, right? If you were not opinionated, if you did not set a bunch of those uh you know, adjustments and minimax exposures, then sure, go ahead and use the double arrow. But if you did, then I would just clone the build. But that should solve that problem. Noah said, hey, Andrew, what is the best way to choose a cash lineup from the Sims for a large slate NBA like today? Is it just taking the highest Sim percent or ROI? So I actually would not do either of those things. What I would do is I would come into the builder. I would change the build mode to optimizer mode. And then from here, what I would do is run my lineups on optimizer mode optimizer mode is going to try and pack in as many projected points into your lineup as possible here so i think that there might be an argument to increase min salary maybe you go from you know the default of forty nine thousand to like forty nine five hundred just to make that even tighter there um but you know in the contest flashback video that max and i did which you can find right here building a slam dunk contest review process for NBA season. A lot of the top GPP lineups were using a lot of the salary here. So uh, kind of only makes sense to use a lot of salary for cash as well here. But Sabersim is going to do most of that naturally for you here, trying to pack in as many projected points as possible. You're going to end up with higher salary lineups. But uh, just increasing the floor of that, that min salary I think is fine. But that that is exactly what I would do. Run this build on optimizer mode. Make sure you're sorting by projected score and then take the top lineup from there. Kyle said, during a live contest sim, does the ROI that is displayed for a late swap lineup take into account how that lineup has been performing so far? For example, would a lineup that has been performing poorly and has small chances of cashing have a negative uh, ROI shown? So really good question here. So yes, at the moment, we are now taking into account how this lineup is doing at this point in time uh, in the slate, right? So some lineups are going to start optimizing for cash equity because they are performing poorly. So then the builder goes, hey, how do I get this lineup to get across the cash line? And then you can see lineups where they might have a higher cash rate, but a lower win rate. And then you're going to see other lineups where, hey, their win rate is going up. And, and, you know, this lineup has done well to this point in the contest. We want to try and optimize this lineup to take first place. And at this point, right, because it's already in a good position. So the builder is able to take lineups on a lineup by lineup basis and optimize them to get to where their most profitable point is. Some lineups that are doing bad, their most profitable point might be the cash line. Some lineups that are doing good, well, their most profitable point might be trying to win the contest. So the builder is able to make those decisions on a lineup by lineup basis, which is just such a powerful tool in NBA to be able to take into account those live, live updating projections and actual scores and updating ownership and try and optimize throughout a contest here. 
Demetrius said, should I use Saberson projections or RPS projections for tonight's NBA slate? And is it a good idea to change my max exposure to 50 or leave it the same? Thank you for all you do. Yeah, man. No, happy to help out. Um, I would say that, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're paying for both, honestly, dude, like average them, right? So if you, if you come in here, you're, you're signed up for RPS, you have Saberson through RPS. You're going to have two projection columns. You're going to have Saberson. You're going to have run, run pure. You can go to the gear icon in the, my projection column. And then they're going to be Saberson. There's going to be RPS. And then when there's two or more options here, you're going to have an average option, right? So take the average and, uh, you know, get some inputs from both sides. But I think both sets of projections are good here. And then second part was, is it a good idea to change my max exposure to 50 or leave it the same? So if this feels like a good decision for you, then yes, it is a good decision for you. For some people, it's not a good decision, right? They like to have high exposures. I would say that, you know, Ownership in NBA can get a lot more concentrated than some other sports because, uh, like football because injury risk is lower. You know, players are uh, not as high variance. They are lower variance on average than other sports, a lot more normally distributed. Uh, their range of outcomes graph is here. So I think people are usually comfortable with playing higher exposure to players in NBA. But like, hey, at 50%, if when you look at your lineup set, like, oh, man, I have this guy, you know, 75% owned. That makes me really nervous. Well, then, hey, you know, maybe 50% is the right number for you. So the right number, 50% might not be right for everybody, but it might be right for you. It all depends on your risk tolerance and how much risk you want your portfolio to have. So I think it's okay to spread out if that's more your style. I think it's okay to be very concentrated if that's also your style, right? You just got to be able to live with whatever results happen at the end of the night. And if the results are, you know, really bothering you, you're kicking yourself, you're down the rest of the night, you're portfolio might've been too risky. Maybe you were playing too much bankroll on any given night. So think about those things when, uh, when the night ends and, and make adjustments for the next day. All right. Question from Matthew said the same goes for over leveraged pivots. Example, I had Hartenstein last night with 8% exposure in late swap. The exposure, uh, didn't come over and I ended up with 0%. Yeah. I mean, if you know, you want him, you could do two things. One, you could set that exposure after the late swap lineups are built. Uh, you know, it gets tighter trying to get to exposure after the late swap is done, just because we are re rebuilding each, each lineup, you know, 10 times with the best remaining salary and positions and players available. So it gets a little tricky there, but if you know, you're going to want so many shares of him, what I would do is I would just set that as a min exposure in my swap build before uh, going to run my lineups, but that's also a great reason why the cloning, the late swap option is great. If you set that early, then it will be maintained in your late swap without you having to do any more work. Fuzzy said I was late swapping NBA the other night and getting slightly different amounts of lineups in my pool, every build. Why is that? Uh, so frankly, I'm not a hundred percent sure. It could be that there were only so many, you know, available swap options for a particular lineup. Like you, you guys have to remember that, you know, there still is like a min salary requirement for the lineup. So maybe, you know, we could only rebuild that lineup eight times instead of 10, right? Or maybe, uh, you know, that that would be like my kind of my first guess there. So uh, be, be aware of that. You know, if you wanted to lower min salary as the night went on because you're having trouble getting to the number of lineups that you want, you could, you could do a test run, right? Lower this to, you know, 45,000 and see if you get a full pool, right? So that would be like the first thing I would look at. All right, Biz said, is there a significant difference for best results between building out 1,500 lineups versus 5,000 when you are only playing 20 to 25 entries daily in multiple contests on College Football Saturday? 
or on an NFL Sunday? Okay, this is a good question. Um, I think it's okay, like, to build less than the max if you're, like, kind of in a pinch, right? So generally, you know, if, if I'm only playing, like, 20 lineups or something and it's getting close to lock, uh, you know, I might just build, like, 2,500 just to save a little time, especially, like, for showdown because those lineups can take a little bit longer to build. But I would say, like, for your college football main slates, for your NFL main slates, like, the difference in time between 2,500 lineups and 5,000 lineups is not going to be a big difference. I would probably just build the max. I think I think best practice advice here, always build the max. And the reason I say that is because not all lineups are cre created equally. So we are not building your best lineup and then your second best lineup and then your third best lineup. SaberSim is generating all of these lineups based on its simulations that it's randomly sampling. And then the lineups get moved into the pool. Once all 5,000 lineups have been built, they go into the pool and then SaberScore grades them. And then SaberScore goes, oh, okay, hey, this lineup that was uh, you know, built toward the end, let's move that one up. This lineup that was built early, let's move that down. So the lineups are not generated from best to worst, the lineups are all generated and then graded. So it's very possible that you get good lineups generated uh, later in the lineup generating process, but end up being higher Sabre score lineups. So that's why I think it's best practice to just always build the max available that you can, unless you're in a time pinch. All right, Biz said, how are my GDP lineups differentiated between other players using the Sims when you do not make any updates or changes to the, to any of the player projections and are being created around the same time. Follow-up was, is there any data that supports the most ideal time before a slate starts to run simulations and build the most ideal lineups? Okay, so going to answer the second part first. So, so what I would do, so there's a couple different things that happen here. And it's kind of sport by sport specific. So for NBA... I would always try and build your final set of lineups when the lineups for the teams have been confirmed. The way you're going to know that they're confirmed is that these teams are going to have a check mark next to them. And then if you sort uh, by any individual team, the starting five, their statuses are also going to have a check mark. So waiting till the lineups are confirmed is definitely best practice. But those lineups aren't confirmed. You're five, 10 minutes away from lock. You know, it's going to take you five to 10 minutes to, to get your lineups in. Well, then just run your lineups with the best information that you have. For NFL, we run the final sims for the games on the slate one hour prior to the game's start time. So if it is a, uh, you know, 1 p.m. Eastern start on Sunday, we're going to run the final sims at 12 p.m. Eastern. And those take like five to seven minutes to finish. And then I would run your final set of lineups. So the best place to check these information is in the lineup alerts channels in Discord. If you're in Discord, you're going to see these lineup alert channels and there's an NFL lineup alert, NBA lineup alert, MLB lineup alert, NHL lineup alert, college football lineup alert, PGA lineup alert, right? So those channels are going to be your best resource to see when those Sims are running. And that way you can know which Sims are still active. And then you can come into your Sabre Sim and then just refresh your projections, get the most up-to-date information, and then build your final set of lineups. And then first question here was basically, how are my lineups differentiated from other SaberSim users? So great question. So we have, uh, I believe, 5,000 game sims for each game on the slate, okay? So there are 13 games here. So each time we run your sims, depending on what your sim diversity slider is set to, we are going to randomly sample a subset of sims for each game here, okay? Then we're going to go take, you know, 10 sims from Portland, Detroit, 10 sims from Milwaukee, Toronto, and then et cetera, et cetera. We're going to run out those simulations, build the best possible lineup, put that lineup into your pool, 
do that process again. We are going to go and grab 10 new Sims from each lineup, from each game Sims in our database. So if there's a formula, it's a combinatorics formula where it's like uh, NCR, and it's basically like how many different combinations can you get if you're looking for, if you're looking to take uh, an easier example was like how many ways can you get two out of seven without repeating? So like AB, AC, AD, and then, you know, BC, BD, BE. And if you if you put a combination calculator, we did this once on an office hours, the amount of combinations gets exponentially high, like beyond trillions. Like uh, we're talking like 10 to the power of like really, really huge exponents here. So like the number of combinations you can take of 10 out of 5,000, times 13 games on the slate becomes exponentially high. And that is why it is extremely unlikely that you dupe with any other Saber Sim user in a, like a main slate contest with all these games on the slate. When there are less players on the slate, when there's one game where, you know, the player pool is limited, then you need to think about duplication, but you need to think about duplication from your contest, not just from other Saber Sim users here. So I, I, I never think about, you know, duping other Sabres from users. I think about duping other lineups in my contest overall here. In the grand scheme of things, you know, Sabres uh, subscribers are a small portion of the DFS ecosystem. So I don't think you have to worry about other Sabres users specifically when building your lineups. All right, Jim said, to add to business question, will it always create a different lineup for each person? And if I run another and ditto on the question on ideal time. Yeah, so we definitely just covered that. Uh, definitely uh, we'll get different lineups based on the different simulations that are randomly sampled when we build your lineups. All right, Matthew said, late swap contest sim. If you filter lineups by win rate, will it still maximize the poor lineups to get to the cash line? versus filtering by cash rate and not getting top lineups by win rate. Um, so what's going to happen is that those lineups that got optimized, like to try and get to the cash rate, cash line, those are just going to have lower, uh, like remember, remember in lead swap, what we're doing is we're taking a, a lineup that is locked. We are rebuilding iterations of that lineup. So when it says swaps per lineup, that is telling you, hey, how many times do you want to rebuild each lineup? And then from those 10, you're basically taking one of those 10 options with you into your into your um, contest, right? So depending on your sorting metric, SaberSim might pick a different one of those 10 options when like, oh, they want to sort by this. Let's give them, you know, lineup number seven. Oh, they want to sort by this one. Let's give them lineup number nine, right? So from those options, they're going to be graded differently on projected score, on some ownership, on salary, on ROI, on win rate, right? And then just depending on your sorting metric, you would get a different version, uh, the best one for what you are requesting. Matthew said also having issues with the lineups taking a while to process, especially getting closer to lock, especially for last minute NBA changes. Yeah, I think that, you know, what what I like to do is, you know, run my process early in the season and try and figure out like, hey, you know, how much time is it usually taking me to get this done? And then from there, I could be like, okay, you know, if I don't have final lineups by, for me, four o'clock lock by, by, you know, 353, I know it's going to take me five minutes to get through this process. And I want to have that two minute buffer 
just in case anything takes a little bit longer. So I will just start my process. I think it's really important to remember that if you are missing information, if, if, you know, lineups aren't out, well, guess what? Everybody in your contest is dealing with the same time constraint that you are. So everybody is under the gun. So don't feel like, you know, you're singled out, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're gonna, you know, miss something like everybody is, is dealing with these time constraints. So you're not alone. Therefore you're not at a disadvantage. So just remember that. And remember that SaberSim is one of the fastest tools, if not the fastest tool in the industry with our automated Sims and news and updates. So you're, you're, you're using a great tool to try and react as quickly as possible. All right. Dirty Mert said, can you please provide insight into what a strong risk adjusted ROI is to target in post-contest sims and how we should weigh that against some of the unique slash dupes metrics? Okay. So uh, there's really not like a, like a number, like, oh, you know, risk adjusted ROI of a thousand is like always what you want to be at. It's really relative to the contest sim that you ran. So by sorting by highest to lowest, you're going to see what the risk adjusted ROIs are and then use that as your like barometer, as your, as your measuring stick. Right. I don't, I don't even know what a barometer does. So I don't even want to use that word here. Uh, so, so what I would do is, you know, sort by highest to lowest and then just, you know, use that as your measuring stick. So what's going to happen is that you might have higher risk adjusted ROI lineups for some contest sims than other contest sims based on the percent of first and, you know, how top heavy the contest is. So, so that is why you cannot just take a blanket number and apply it to multiple contests because those numbers are going to change based on the payout structures that you're optimizing for. So that's why I say that specifically. Dirty Merch said, I found that by using SaberSim, you will naturally get ROI positive lineups post late. I'm trying to gauge how much ROI upside there is left to capture. With changes to a process that is already returning strong lineups, how do you recommend I do that? Okay, so I would actually say, you know, Tread a little cautiously here because if you're using SaberSim's projections, well, the post-contest sim is also using SaberSim's projections. So generally, if you're using, you know, SaberSim's site, then you are have a higher chance of grading out well in the post-contest sim. What I want to caution you guys against is that if you are making adjustments to projections or other, you know, research type of adjustments here and those are going against what SaberSim is saying you know you might end up with some lower theoretical ROIs but it really becomes on you to say hey were those adjustments correct and should I continue doing that process and what I would do is track your own adjustments like write them down after the slate come back to them tomorrow do a little review, like, hey, you know, did the adjustments I make work? Were they wrong? Were they right? And if you see over time that your adjustments are are wrong or something like that, then what I would do is stop making those adjustments. But what I would also say is that if those adjustments are good, then be okay with having a little bit lower SIM ROI, knowing that you are adding value here. So uh, just wanted to mention that for you guys here. And then the second part was I'm trying to gauge how much ROI upside there is left to capture with changes to a process. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was uh, how we should weigh that against some of the unique slash dupes metrics. So that part there, you know, is, is, is very much a showdown specific question about like, Hey, how many uniques and how many dupes and things like that. Remember that when we run the post contest sim, we're running it with all of the lineups in the contest. 
And if your lineup was due 50 times, well, hey, when you won in the post-contest, Sam, we are splitting, you know, payouts one through 50 among all of the lineups that had mm -hmm. that lineup. So the ROIs are very accurate for lineups that are duped. So I actually think that, you know, I, I've seen in the post-contest, Sam, like, hey, you know, some showdown lineups, some people have very high number of average dupes, very low number of min-uniques or of unique lineups but they still grade out well in the sim. So that means that their win weight is very high, right? So uh, there's there's no wrong or right way. We we have done a couple of demos here about watching, I'm sorry, reviewing showdown contests in our contest flashback review playlist here. So I think we did one week four NFL showdown talk. And then when Max did the review of Giant Squids win, also talking about showdowns, but Basically, what we saw is that there is no one right way to play showdown. You could be super contrarian. You could be high uh, win rate, high salary, high projected score, and you could still get to high sim ROI portfolios of lineups. All right. Second question. I found that by using Saber Sim, you will naturally get ROI positive lineups. Oh, no, I did this one. All right, Angel said, late to the stream, does it make sense to alter projections before building lineups to get more of player X or better yet sort by your pool by value? Uh, so if there's certain players that you know you're going to want to get to, what I would do is either one of two things. One, you could bump their projection or two, you could set a min exposure. I think that if you are dead set on, I know I want to play this player, I would just put in a min exposure. If you just want to say, hey, I think, I, I think this player is going to do better than what SaberSim is projecting. Why don't I just adjust their projection and then let SaberSim decide what to do with them? I think that's an approach for somebody who's like a little more hands-off. And what you're doing is you're giving SaberSim an input and you're basically asking it a question. You're saying, hey, what do you think of Bones Highland, for example, when his projection is 35 instead of 32? And then you run the lineups. And if SaberSim goes, oh yeah, at 35 fantasy points, Bones Highland is a good play. And then it puts them into more lineups or it says, you know what, even at 35 Bones Highland, you know, not really fitting into too many lineups very well. I would rather still play less of that player. So that is basically a way of asking Saber Sim what they think about a play and then waiting for the feedback without these min and max exposure constraints. So I do like that idea as well. All right, follow-up question from Dirty Merck said, are low dupes and high-risk ROI inversely correlated on SaberSim? If I am getting a solid number of uniques at the expense of ROI, can that still mean my process is healthy? Yes, it can definitely mean that you still have a good process. Basically, what's happening is when you win, you're just winning so much of the first-place prize that that win is paying for all the other times that you lose. The opposite of that is like, hey, you need to win more often because you are duping so often. So that is why, you know, there are multiple ways to get to good winning lineups. Biz said, when using Sabersome, I could find myself not fitting into an exact entry limit size for a contest uh, max 10, max 94. What is the best practice here? I, am I better with max 3, max 20, max 150? How to best adjust? So usually I just always lean on the higher side. So if it's like max 10, I'll use max 20. It's max 94. I'll use max 150. The reason for that is as the entry limit increases, generally the sliders increase. So as the sliders increase, your lineups are optimizing for higher and higher upside. So basically my thinking is that, hey, um, if I optimize for more upside, then I'm still going to be okay. If I optimize for less upside, my lineups might not have 
what it needs to win the contest. Uh, if I am a little bit overkill and have a little, uh, you know, a, a lot of fantasy points over, then that's okay, right? So always lean on the higher side. All right, last question here from Jim. And Jim said, just waiting for this to load up into the chat. So, okay, let's try this again. My bad, guys. Try and get this line up question in here one more time. All right, Jim said, not new to DFS, however, new to using optimizers, so please bear with me. When creating lineups, not making any adjustments at all, will Saberson create a unique lineup or will it generate the exact same lineup for someone else? Furthermore, if I were to run a new lineup a minute later, will it create the same or different? And if you can elaborate on how that works on your end. Okay, so we definitely talked about this a little earlier in the show, so I would just rewind a little bit uh, if you weren't tuning in live here. But to answer your second part, uh, if I run a lineup a minute later, will it create the same or different? So it will still be different. So not only are you creating different lineups from other Saberson users, you're also creating different lineups for yourself each time you run a build because we are randomly sampling our SIM database and we have so many SIMs and there are so many possible combinations of SIMs that you are going to get different lineups each time you run it. Justin said, when saving my lineups to a single lineup, I usually put 150 max and then adjust uniques. When saving to that certain one lineup, should I use rank, unique rank, unique random, or exact? Okay, so a couple, uh, good question here. So I actually just updated this tutorial recently. If you go to the right-hand side, hamburger menu, click help, going to open up our support library, go down to frequently asked questions. And then in here, we have this awesome video, fill methods. And I updated this last week, says what do the different fill methods do? To just make this nice and short, it's a nice two-minute video here. So I'm going to link it in the chat. Uh, check out this video, but it basically talks about all the different fill methods, what they do, how they work. I don't have an entry file lo loaded up here, so that's why I'm linking the video. But check out that video. It'll talk through what rank does, what unique rank does, what unique random does, what exact does in a very short and concise video. So check that out. Link in the description. Fixin Flip said, just signed up for Saberson first day. What core three is ideal for tonight? So, hey, man, welcome. Glad to have you here. Uh, if you are you know, just new to the product, go to our support library, that same link and check out our getting started video here. This is a great comprehensive video. Just how do you say sim from start to finish? That video is really good. A great resource as you get started. Uh, we really don't like tout picks here. We don't do, you know, live before lock shows. We don't do slate breakdowns. We do this show talking general strategy, talking how to use the app, but generally we are not like uh, you know, telling you guys who to play, who are the locks for tonight, other things like that. If you're looking for some of that content, our partners over at Run Pure Sports do a bunch of Slate-specific content. They do great stuff over there. And if that's more your cup of tea, I would check in with them. And then you can also use SaberSim through Run Pure Sports. So get access to their content, get access to our SIM tools. But that is it, everybody. Those are the last questions here. Uh, really good show today, a little longer than usual. So happy to answer your guys' questions as long as they are coming in, we will be right back here tomorrow. We'll be right back here again at 3 p.m. Eastern for tomorrow and then returning back to 2 p.m. Eastern on Friday. So until tomorrow, guys, take care. I'll see you guys. Good luck. Bye.